Just another good reminder of our Christ coming to us. Real quick, favorite Christmas songs, go. What are some songs you guys like to sing? All right, the first Noel, okay, what else? What child is this? Angels we have heard on high. Carol the bells. Silent night. Oh, holy night. We adore you, Jesus, from this morning, a new favorite. Hark the herald angels sing. Mary, did you know? Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, all good ones. Grandma got run over by a reindeer coming home from our house Christmas Eve. Some people say that they don't believe in Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe that song, right? What else? Star Bethlehem Hippopotamus? Oh, yeah. That's, that's right there with Dominic the donkey. We'll put that in its own... We'll put that in its own category. What else? We Three Kings. Technically not a Christmas song, but cool. Yeah. Deck the Halls. I heard the bells on Christmas morning. Anyone else? All I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. Very not Mariah Carey. Anything else? Are we leaving anything out? Because I want you to be thinking of a song. Frosty the Snowman. Frosty the Snowman. Ooh. You're a mean one. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Grinch. My voice doesn't get nearly that low. Anything else we're leaving about? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Yep. I'm dreaming of a white. Bing Crosby, only person who can sing that song, right? No, no. No Santa baby. Anything else? Santa Claus? Yeah. No one said jingle bells yet? What? Jingle bells. I, I missed it. I missed it, Missy. No, I didn't grab the jingle bells. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And then there's those other verses which kind of don't make any sense. They're really selfish. Because the first verse is, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And then, I want some figgy pudding. Like, someone's got some bipolar Christmas things going on. Joy to the world. Another classic we just kind of breezed over. Little drummer boy. Right? We all good? You got some songs rolling through your brain? Keep thinking of a song, because we're going to tie back in around to this at the end. So we're in the third week of our Searching for a Savior uh, message series. And in case you've missed the last couple of weeks, uh, we went back in time to Malachi, 400 years, uh, like that video again reminded us, before Jesus. And we looked at these prophecies, yes, squishy noises and all that fun. It was a different planet, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we've been learning this whole, these past few weeks about two main ideas. Two main ideas. And the first of those is that there are two messengers. A messenger who will prepare the way, see how we're doing, and the second messenger of the coven. Okay, we're doing fine. It's on screen. Again, you cheaters. Uh, the other major idea is that we've been talking about is that there is always this parallel thing happening between prophet and priest. Not on the screen. Fantastic. Yeah, priest and prophet. Prophet and priest. There, where you have one, you find the other. Right. So we've even been able to tie that in a little bit to Star Wars uh, and that balance of, of the light side and the dark side. The one is not evil. Both are, are good. It's good and good and good and good. Um, anyone, anyone seen the movie yet? The new movie? Yeah? That's it? Really? I saw Friday morning. You want to steal? Go to the Oaks. Oaks, 10 a.m. if you're off on break. 10 a.m., $4, $4 it cost me to see the new Star Wars movie. 10 a.m. You just got to 
get up and go to the movie like like way too early for popcorn, but you're still eating it. Um, so, but if you have, so how many? Uh, let's try this then. How many people have not seen the new Star Wars movie? Well, if you haven't, I'm getting ready to show our next slide, and I warn you, Star Wars spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, close your eyes. All right, close your, if you haven't seen it, close your eyes right now. Okay. If you have seen it, keep your eyes open. All right, everyone can open your eyes now. It's a Star Wars spoiler alert. It goes on a car. It says Star Wars. All right, a little bit of humor. Tying in that Star Wars thing. Okay. Y'all with me? Everyone awake? Trying to, okay. Whew. All right. So we've been having these two key concepts, the balance of the light and dark. It's not dark. Balance of the priest and prophet. And we've had these two messengers, messenger who prepare the way and the messenger of the covenant. And these have been prophesied in Malachi. And through the persons of John the Baptist and Jesus being born, both of these messengers are fulfilled. And the balance of prophet and priest are achieved. Obviously, John, the prophet, and Jesus came to be the priest, the high priest, actually, it says later. But last week, we looked at the story of the foretelling of their births, because Jesus and John were both foretold by the angel Gabriel. And we learned that wherever Gabriel shows up, he ends up, what, scaring people. Simply because his presence just must be awesome and amazing as a messenger of the Lord. So we have Gabriel, ah, but wherever there's Gabriel, there's this scary entrance. But remember, there's also this wonderful news. Scary entrance, wonderful news, glad tidings. So we read the stories uh, in Luke of Gabriel foretelling the births of John uh, to his father, Zechariah, and Jesus to Mary, who was a virgin. And there were a lot of similarities in their stories with one major difference. I, don't want, to, I want to pick up here and, and, and remind us of these similarities because these similarities don't just end here. They, they keep going into today. And so in these stories of, the, of John being foretold of his birth by the angel Gabriel and Jesus being foretold of his birth by the angel Gabriel, they, there's a lot of these similarities. Obviously, both have the angel Gabriel. Both Zechariah and Mary needed reassurance when Gabriel showed up because, again, scary entrance, wonderful news. Uh, both Zechariah and Mary were upright and had good favor in the eyes of God, it tells us. Another similarity is both stories um, have the foretelling of the birth of a son. Both predict the birth of a son, and not just any birth, but again, both births that were not supposed to be able to happen. Mary was a virgin, and Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, he politely rephrases it, um, I'm old, but my wife is well-aged in years. So, long story short, she's old too. I'm just going to be a lot nicer about saying it. So, another similarity is Angel Gabriel gives both these names to either Zechariah or Mary. And he says, his name will be John to Zechariah. And his name will be Jesus to Mary. That's not an option. Like, you're going to call him that. Because there's a purpose in his name. He also lays out their life and their purpose and what they're going to do, why they are on this earth. Also in both stories, Zechariah and Mary um, have one question and one answer, right? And both of their questions are essentially the same. It's how. Their questions are how. How is this going to happen? And that's when Zechariah's unbelief comes in and he's not able to speak until 
after his son John is born because he said, I'm old and, and she's old. How is this going to happen? He didn't believe. Mary, on the other hand, she says, how because I'm a virgin. And there are statements there. He says, I'm old. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. Big difference. Unbelief and belief. And that was that one major difference in the stories of last week. Zechariah, uh, though a priest in the temple of God, doubted Gabriel's words. So he wasn't able to, again, speak until after John was born. And I'm reminding you of this again because that's important for today. But some of us are, in reality, just like Zechariah. When we take time to just, again, pause, slow down, and really think about what's going on this Christmas season. We go through these rituals of Christmas, maybe. The tree. Everyone have a Christmas tree, right? Even if it looks like Charlie Brown's thing hanging on, we probably got some little Christmas plant, even if it's a Christmas cactus, you know, blooming right now. Some of them, I saw the, the wolves look fantastic. Ours is like, <gasps> no, no, it's, it's like, man, I'll be lucky if that thing blooms in January. Um, so it's a little late, a little slow. Um, but you have the tree. Everyone has a Christmas tree, right? We have parties and dinners. We see families. We, we all go shopping for something. Uh, there's presents that we open and presents that we give, these rituals of, of Christmas, mindlessly traversing the traditions of this season and believing in God, just like Zechariah was in the temple, believing in God, but not actually expecting him to show up. That's some of us this Christmas season. Hopefully, not all of us, and hopefully if you are that, you know, wake up call and we get back into this place of being able to expect God to show up. So we've been reminded in, in these birth stories that we're expecting this Christmas to be different. Are you guys? I am. Some people are. Okay, I, I'm, I'm expecting this Christmas to be very different for at least me personally and a bunch of different things. We're expecting it to be unique, to be special. We're expecting our searching for a Savior to end in actually finding one in just a few days. And we're expecting God to really and powerfully show up in our lives. And so we're building to this point of finally being able to put this Christmas story in perspective. That's why we've been going back in time, all the way back into the Old Testament, way even before Noah's Ark, so we can find out the lineage of Jacob and Esau and coming in to find King Herod and how that ties into Julius Caesar and putting all this picture together so that we can finally reach its conclusion in just a few days on Christmas Eve. And I'm really excited about Christmas Eve, um, by the way. Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe it's Christmas morning for you, but for me, man, it's, it's just Christmas Eve. But we have a little bit more of Luke chapter 1 to discuss before we get there, before we get to these next few days, before we unwrap the present uh, that is the birth of Jesus in a brand new way this year. So try to stay with me here with, with some fresh eyes and ears, okay? Uh, because we can get to a point where we are desensitized to it all. Little to no emotion. No excitement, no joy. It's just the birth of Jesus. Again, he's been born how many times since 2005 AD or BC or however you want to work that going? We don't keep track, right? He's old, but he's new. How does that work? So it just kind of cycles around. James, I always pick on you. What's your favorite thing like Christmas present or what are you looking to get? What are you hoping for in a present this year? Too slow. Tyler. Got anything? Nothing? No? CJ? Nothing? You guys don't want any? Kylie. What are you wanting for Christmas? A computer. What else? 
a new jacket. Tony, like a big fuzzy kid. What do you want for Christmas? Google Play Box. All right, some cool thing is going. Yeah, ooh, ooh, I have no idea what Google Play Box. Oh, books. Oh, I'm like, Google Play Box, this sounds interesting. Um, I'm, with, I'm with you now. So you want a gift card for online. Cool, all right. <laughs> cool. Any other kids want anything really cool or fun this year? We've sent half our kids out. Shoes. Let's go with shoes. Circle back around to James. What size are those? Yeah. Size way too big. All right, let's, let's pretend those are size 11 or something like that. And we get to this point where we just get desensitized to it year after year. It's like James receiving a size 11, same model brand pair of shoes year after year after year after year. No, you know, the sizes stay the same. Jesus doesn't change. You're, yeah, you might not, yeah, might be too big, too small, but that's what you get, you know. Size 11 shoes. And we just receive and receive. And it gets to this point where we kind of get desensitized to Christmas, right? Didn't we just open him last year? It's Jesus again, right? Nothing new. So we get to this point where we're just desensitized to it all. And then maybe we put him on a shelf next to the elf. Um, maybe behind the elf, if we're honest with ourselves. We just kind of stack up Christmases like history books or albums. They just, they're our, our past, and it's nothing new. But we miss the possibility in doing that. We miss the possibility of God working in our lives like it's brand new and opening the gift of a Savior like it's for the first time all over again. So that needs to be our perspective this morning, all right, and through this week, opening up this gift finally of Christmas in a brand new way. Before we get to our scripture reading today, because it's a bit of a chunk, uh, slightly long, but I hope you'll read with me. It's fun. Uh, before, before we get to that, I want us to think about one more thing to tie all this uh, in perspective. Now, who remembers Easter this past year at True Life Church? Again, back we were called Christ Fellowship Year, and we were meeting up at Quest Elementary. But anyways, we had the name book. Remember that? Yeah? And we pulled out the names. Everyone got a chance to look at their name and figure out what your name meant. And that's important. Because Gabriel, again, in these stories, and these foretellings of birth, Gabriel tells Zechariah and Mary that they will have sons, and he gives them the names that they are going to be called. To Zechariah's son, he gives the name John, or Yohanan, which means God is gracious. Hold on to that for a few minutes until we get into our scripture. It means God is gracious. And to Mary, Gabriel gives the name Jesus, or Yeshua, which means God saves. Now, back on Easter, we looked at the importance of a name in relation to the cross and resurrection because we here we see his name foretold. Jesus' name means God saves. But here's the cool part, again, like Easter, Jesus is God. So his name literally means I save. But here we see this name showing up way before he's ever born, outlining what his purpose is on this earth. I mean, how much plainer can you get than a savior having the name I save? Giant neon flashing lights. But some of us, again, we just breeze past that point, even in the birth of Christmas. Oh, that's for the cross. No, that's the purpose. That's why he was born all the way till the end. 
and the new beginning. So Jesus was born to save, and John was born to show others that God is gracious. Now these names are given with a plan and a purpose. And even before birth, they have a designated plan and purpose for their lives. So let's pick up again into where we left off last week in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 39 through 80. 39 through 80. 8-0. Like, I didn't even know there was a book chapter with that many verses. We're going to read all that? Yeah, we are. So, here we go. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Funny point right here. She greeted who? Elizabeth. Why didn't she greet Zechariah? Because Zechariah sitting in a town, like a corner going. That's Zechariah over there in the corner. Because remember, he's been shut up by the angel Gabriel until um, his son is born. So Mary enters Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Usually you'd go to the man of the house. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, which we know as baby John. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And a loud voice, not quiet, loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your baby greeting or, or of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her and will be accomplished. And then Mary responded, this section might even be called to you, Mary's song, right? And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let me fill in something for you here you may or may not know. Mary and Elizabeth are related, and John and Jesus are cousins as they grow up. There's a very good chance, actually, that though they are cousins, they never meet until he actually, Jesus shows up to be baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. They know each other exists, but if you don't have a face to put to a name, it's not as simple as popping on Facebook these days. These guys end up living 40, 50, 60 miles apart from each other. You just didn't bounce down there real easy. So um, now we're getting ready and to go to the birth of John the Baptist. Now, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, picking up in verse 57, she gave birth to a son. That makes sense to us because we've known this for a few pages, right? Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child as they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Now, why does that matter? 
Names matter big time. We've been talking about that, right? And you can find out the genealogy of Jesus a chapter and a half later, um, middle through chapter three, and you can find all these names that lead to Jesus. And like a lot of them are just repeated over and over. And you can kind of see them skip about every six or eight generations, and then this name shows up again. I thought he was already born. Oh, this is the name just being passed down. And so they're asking questions. Um, There's no one in your family that's being called that name. Why do you want to do that? Then they made signs to his father, again, you know, trying to explain things, to find out what he would like to name the child. Like, your wife could be saying this, you can't talk, let's just, let's ask you, just in case, you're the dad, um, just make sure she ain't gone off the deep end and she wants to name your son John, little crazy, wants to name him John, Um, let's find out what you, you say. And so he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, immediately praising God. And the neighbors were all filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. And I can't help but get a chuckle. All around that hill country up there in Judea, you see what happened? And they just talking. Yeah, well, my mama saw, and she was talking to so-and-so, and uh, this boy named John, he came out. They didn't call him. So I think of that, you know, up in the hill country of Judea, where people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. He said, wow, he's going to be called something and named something. And then all of a sudden, Zechariah can speak again. All this is now coming true. Now he can actually tell us about the angel verbally from like nine and a half months ago. Now he can actually speak. Now we get into what? Again, you might have a heading in this next section. It's called Zechariah's Song. Now, there's two parts to Zechariah's song. Mary's song is rather simple and straightforward, but all still good. Basically, praise God, I don't deserve this. He is fantastic. Now, Zechariah's song is broken out into two parts. And the first part is all focused on God. And the second part is about John. And so it's really easy to assume, getting in here, this first few verses, 68 through 74 or so, that he's actually... Really excited about John. Now he's, the first thing he's doing again is praising God. So here's Zechariah's song. And then that's where we'll finish up. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, remember immediately. And prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation or a strength in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That whole first section is just, again, like Mary, just praising God. And now Zechariah actually talks to his son. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Again, we see this. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Now, remember what John's name meant? God is gracious. And I'm going to read this again. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. That's what you're going to do. You're going to go out and tell the world that God is gracious by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path 
of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. So again, we see the similarities in these stories of Mary and Zechariah. It wasn't just last week. It continues into today because as soon as they are able, they sing a song of praise to God. Not later, not way down the road, as soon as they are able. For Mary, it's immediate. Right when she meets Elizabeth, John jumps in the womb and it's right then, you know what, I'm, generations will call me blessed. I'm praising him right now and I'm just going to be loud about it. Zechariah, his mouth is shut up. He has to hold on to this for a while. Finally, everything comes to fruition, but as soon as he is able, boom, he's singing. He's praising. After his son is born and God has this giant, I told you so moment uh, with Zechariah, he is finally able to talk. And again, the first thing he does, like Mary, is what? Praise God immediately. So we have Mary's song, we have Zechariah's song. And if you've ever wondered why we show up on Sunday mornings at church and sing songs together, why do we do that? No one else, you know, spontaneously bust out and sing anywhere else. This is one of the many reasons, just one of the many reasons. It's because when the joy of the Lord sweeps through our lives, the first thing we can or should respond with is, is a song. It's a praising God. So we show up and praise our God together. It's like one of those singing mobs that happen in the malls, especially sometimes around Christmas season. You know, you might see those on YouTube, and suddenly everyone in the food court is like, what is going on? All these people start singing, and they just keep singing. Except that when we show up in this place, it's singing in here together, and we should know what is going on, but we are singing for an audience of one. Do you guys do any Christmas shopping lately? You guys been down to the mall yesterday? You're afraid of them all. I do not blame you. You'd rather go. I would. I, ugh, you'd rather go shop at Walmart. Ugh, that's a special kind of need right there. You guys been? Speaking of Walmart, you guys been to Walmart lately? The cops were there. Okay, well that's cool. Anyone else hit up the Walmart? You shopped with a cop too? No. Yeah, that just sounds cool. I, well, that's good. Um, Lisa, my wife Lisa, uh, was at Walmart earlier this week, and she was doing some Christmas shopping, and uh, she was wearing one of our new True Life t-shirts that, you know, on the back say, we exist to share true life through Jesus Christ, right? It's our, our mission, it's our purpose. And she came home, and she was telling me this story about how she was in line, and this lady came up behind her, and read her shirt, and she just started going off about what it said and how God had been doing great things in her life. And she was singing and dancing and doing like little twirls in the line. And she says, oh, girl, you would not believe all this stuff that's happened. And Lisa's trying to tell me this story with all the little swags and things going on. I'm like, wow, this, this must have been really something. If you're doing the, if you're doing the, the swags and the snaps, it must have been something. So she's doing the twirls, and she's just singing, the, like, middle of Walmart, in the line. Oh, yeah, you know, and singing all that kind of stuff. And she, she couldn't keep her mouth shut. Right there in the middle of the Walmart, this lady could not keep her mouth shut. And you might be able to identify with that. that. Maybe that's your song. That's your passion right now. Maybe you've been like Mary this Christmas season or even this whole year building up to this point. And God has just been working in your life and you've tried to be faithful and obedient and his servant just like Mary. And you have that song just 
boom, ready to go. And someone mentions, uh, you know, Jesus or True Life Church or mission trips or whatever it is, and suddenly you just can't keep your mouth shut. Well, let me tell you, here's what's going on. Or, oh my gosh, have you seen that lobby? You know, something just, just really exciting you, and that's just stuff, but we should be concerned about this. But hopefully that's all of us. And this time, especially around Christmas, that is usually set aside to celebrate the birth of our Savior, that we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. We can't stay quiet about it. But I wasn't born yesterday, right? Um, I know that in reality, uh, that's not all of us. There are some of us that might more easily identify with Zechariah. You might feel like no one is listening to you. You're like, this is the best sermon I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah you, you might feel like no one is listening to you, that your opinion doesn't matter. You might not have an outlet for your thoughts or emotions, and so just like Zechariah, they just keep circling you know, like vultures in your mind, just waiting for you to finally give up and just throw in the towel. Just like, oh, whatever, I give up. And maybe this black cloud follows you around, just like the character Pigpen in the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know, this black cloud... <laughs> everywhere you go. Or maybe you've been waiting for something really big to happen in your life, but it hasn't happened yet. And so you keep waiting and keep hoping and keep searching. And that song that you should be singing right now is very hard for you, to be honest. Maybe you feel like you don't even know where to start or what the words would be. But Christmas has a great way of being able to align both of these, the Marys and the Zechariahs, into one unified chorus, singing, ultimately, hope is here. Now, this birth has the ability to open up our closed-off, lost and searching lives in a Zechariah-like way. This birth has the ability to give us endless reasons to, like Mary, immediately begin singing. Right now, tell someone about Jesus. Don't stop, don't wait, praise We have a song to sing this season. We do. We have a song to sing this season. We have a reason to be able to not keep our mouth shut. We just have to let it out. Because this season, as now with these Christmas songs we shouted out in the beginning, this season is not about Santa Claus is coming to town. It's Christ is coming to Bethlehem. This season is not baby is cold outside. This season is, because of a baby, it's warm in my heart. This season is not, all I want for Christmas is you. This season is, all I need for Christmas is him. This season is not about Frosty the Snowman. It's about forgiveness of sins. And it's not Jingle Bells. It's Jesus is born. That's our song for this season. That should put words in your mouth, a melody in your heart. And you should just not be able to keep it back. Because the time has come to just let that out, to immediately begin praising God, thanking Him for this gift, and immediately be telling others about it. This is our song this Christmas season. God has woven the fabric of these old stories together through time with a plan. Prophets and priests and messengers were prophesied about and born with a purpose. 
And in response to his greatness and glory, songs were sung in small towns in Judea long before angels showed up on hillsides. These songs were proclaimed from humble hearts and spoken from simple souls. These songs showed gratitude for the gift of grace and were said aloud in awe of amazing arrivals. We have a song to sing this Christmas season. We have a joy to share. We have a message of peace, of hope, of a Savior. We have glad tidings and good news to share. Our searching, this searching for a Savior, has come to its end. Because our answer is found, and it's Jesus. Always has been, always will be. His song can be sung in our lives and through the way we live them. We have a song to sing this Christmas season. And it's Jesus is born. And may Christ be born in us again today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. This book which we are able to learn so much about you, your Savior. Why you came, who you are and how you impact our lives. And so we thank you for the gift that we are about to receive, and just simply going through the calendar of this Christmas season. And we set this day aside of Christmas Eve, December 24th, and Christmas Day, December 25th, as somehow days that have more important significance than January 22nd or April 17th. But every day is a chance to remember your birth anew in our lives, for you to be born again in us. And we have this joy, this message of peace and hope and of salvation to share. This song should be sung from the hilltops, from the mountaintops, and also in the valleys of our lives. This song should be proclaimed in our hearts and through the people we meet. So give us the courage, the strength. Fill our hearts with joy. Again, this joy to the world that there is a message for this Christmas season. And it's not the shopping and it's not the tree. There is a song to be sung. And it's not jingle bells. It's Jesus is born. May that be our song throughout this rest of this Christmas season. In your name we pray. God's people said, Amen. Let's stand as we close in song.